man, if we could talk to the bees, it'd be so much easier. And they come back and they dance to communicate the size of the cavity, the direction the entrance is in, how high up it is, all of this information. And they have a dance-off, right? So they have a dance-off to decide where they're going to live. The snow actually will pile up uh, so high that uh, you can't even see the highs when you come there in the spring. Uh, it's actually drifted over that high. So um, yet, uh, amazingly, the bees are able to, uh, to survive in those uh, conditions. I want to be my current self from this point forward. I want to learn how to play piano. Working with human beings. Drinking wine in the middle of the day. I want to be a I'm going to be the next greatest painter. Just kind of work with kids, getting them ahead in life. I want to be a welder. I want to be a beach bum. I want to be a baseball player. Brewmaster. A winemaker. Professional snuggler. Let me mention those sweet, hot lavender baths and writing in the evening. What's up, everybody? This is Blake Fletcher, the Half Hour Intern, and it is my pleasure to bring you the first ever multi-part episode on Half Hour Intern. So today we will be releasing three episodes all covering the exact same topic, which is beekeeping. We have three different interviews for you. One with Jeremy Campbell, who is a suburban beekeeper hobbyist who's been beekeeping for about two years now. And the second will be with Sadie Brown, who is a urban beekeeper in Boston, Massachusetts, who's been beekeeping for about five years now. And the last is Ryan Oltoff, who is a beekeeper in rural Canada, who's been beekeeping for 17 years now and has 6,200 hives. So a lot of varying experiences, a lot of varying living conditions for these people and their bees. So some really good, um, interesting experiences and stories here. The first episode right now will be with Jeremy Campbell. So again, a suburban beekeeper who started out beekeeping as a hobby, still is a hobby for him about two years now. However, he really would like to make it a career. Um, He has a part-time job right now with it, uh, doing hive removal, and really would like to make the transition to a full-time beekeeper as soon as possible. So if you live in the Fort Worth area and you have a bee problem, definitely give Jeremy a call and he will remove that for you promptly. Without further ado, here is part one of beekeeping. Jeremy, welcome to the show, man. Hey, thanks. So... It's funny. When I first wrote down a list over a year ago now of all the different jobs that I wanted to interview, I made a quick little top five. And I said this at the at the start of the bird watching episode, that bird watching was on my top five list, but also on my top five list was beekeeping in terms of the things that I was most interested about. And it's funny because I... It, That's something that if you would ask me before, if it was something I was really interested about or wanted to learn more about, it's kind of never something I would have said until I sat down and, you know, was forced to write a list. And I think that maybe there's something about those two things in common that, you know, there's birds around us all the time and there's bees around us all the time making all these things happen. And yet we know nothing about them. And now you, Jeremy, know a little bit about them. Is that what originally drew you to beekeeping? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I observed it actually like an act of, of bees, like just doing their thing in nature at where I was happened to be working at the time. And it, that drew me in just witnessing it. Yeah. Yeah. So what is your operation like now? Where are you at in terms of it being a hobby or a career? And what is your life with bees as a beekeeper look like? Uh, so right now I'm kind of on that thin line between career and hobby. Uh, I'm pretty much a weekend beekeeper right now. We, I've started a small company with two other people and we only have like a little over 20 hives right now. We operate out of like two or three main sites where we keep the bees. We usually work Monday through Friday. 
So uh, it's it's definitely um, definitely on that line, and and hoping to be a career soon. How many hives would one need to like? How many hives would you need to be at to have a full scale operation that you could quit your job? Right, <laughs> that's the question I've been. Uh, that's the biggest <laughs> question in my mind. Recently. Yeah, and uh, I would say uh, at least a few hundred. Um, I have just been doing loose math. It just kind of really all depends. Like I can't foresee the future and so many incredible things have happened already in like, like barely like less than a year ago, this was a dream, you know, this was a pipe dream. So we've actually, I mean, just finally realizing something that can, can really, we don't know what the potential is yet. So, so it sounds like everything went pretty quick for you. Cause usually it takes a year for somebody to just go from a thought to even deciding to make a move on that thought. Yeah, I was kind of pushed, you know, uh, by, by a friend, a beekeeper friend. So it kind of like one thing led to another, you know? Yeah, definitely. So what are the different things that you can do? So you said that ideally you would get up to a few, a couple hundred hives and that's what would lead to you having a full-time career with this. What are the different career avenues that, that you could have with beekeeping? I think the most obvious on top of everyone's head is honey. What are, what are some of the other things you could do? Right. Uh, well, one of the things that I want to specialize in as a, as a company is doing bee removals. There are a lot of people that post ads on Craigslist, Craigslist and on other sites that are hobbyists and even professional beekeepers that do swarm removals, but they won't, you know, go into your house. They won't cut down a tree. They won't, you know, they won't remove an established hive. So that's a service that's kind of lacking in the area sometimes. And so why would they not remove an established hive? It's, it's a lot of work. Okay. It's tricky. It can require other expertise. Like I just did a soffit removal from a house recently and I had to kind of learn how to take it apart to where it could be put back together. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of scary for some people. Yeah. And I was on a ladder. So some people don't want to work on a ladder. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's usually, usually you're on a ladder with bees. So removal would obviously then give you more bees, right? You get to keep all these bees that you're taking. Not only that, but you also charge. I mean, there are exterminators that will exterminate these bees and they will charge a lot, lot more money than I'll ever charge. And they won't remove the comb and they won't remove the honey and will ferment. And you don't always kill all the bees. Bees are really hard to do. Like you need to remove it all. You have to do it in a way that is efficient. And we also think in a way that's ethical so that we can try to preserve those bees. And, you know, if they're good brute stock, then we keep that, those genetics and our apiary. Yeah. So then as you're, as you're building, so in in, an apiary is that, that's the term for a a beehive. It's a term for a collection of beehives. Okay. Uh, I think it's like six or more beehives is an apiary. So then what do you do with those bees that you've now taken? You, uh, again, I guess, I guess you could do honey. You could, uh, uh, what, sell that out to other companies that are trying to make, uh, like lotions or, you know, stuff like that. Well, with the removal hives, uh, we want them to recover the first year. They've got a bunch of cutout comb and we fit them into these, these frames. So it's like, they've got to kind of recover the first year. So usually hives don't start, we don't start thinking about getting production and, um, things from products, byproducts from the bees until like they've already really well established. And we've been working with them for about a year usually. So yeah, on the more established hives right now, the focus is honey. Um, we have a great nectar flow here and 
we haven't been really feeding them during the nectar flow. So it's like pure floral nectar, pollen, that kind of stuff. It's got a great local taste. Yeah. And um, that's our main focus, that and selling bees. I mean, you can sell bees and selling the service of educating someone and also selling them a hive. That's where those cutouts can come in handy. Um, if they're particularly nice bees, if you find some genetics that are just like really, they're really, you know, gentle, you know, that's ideal for uh, a new beekeeper. So you can try to sell those off. You know, you don't want to sell off your like really aggressive honey producers yeah, because they that's know so what to do with all the honey and they won't know what to do with the mean bees. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So let's take a step back and go into your learning process. I can only imagine there is an incredibly steep learning curve to all of this. So how long ago did this learning curve start for you? And did you have kind of a guru to show you the way or how did that all work? Um, uh, so two years ago is when I, a little over two years ago, I think it was like late April or no, it was like mid May, um, was when I first observed, observed a swarm occurring, uh, it was a swarm of bees and they were in a, on a limb on a tree in the parking lot. And, uh, that's, you know, anybody could have looked at them and been like, Oh man, a bunch of bees. That's crazy. And they could have taken a picture of it and just posted it to Facebook and been like, look at this. This is cool. But I took a picture of it and then I posted it to like Reddit and other sites and asked people like, what's going on? What is this? And one thing led to another. And there were a couple of people on different sites that were really walking through and answering all my questions. I started doing more reading on the internet um, man, Jeremy, and, that's so crazy the way that life works is, I mean, is that, is that a common thing for you? Do you typically <laughs> try to get to the bottom of pictures of things that you find, or was this kind of the first time that you had ever done that? Uh, I do. Uh, I have been known for doing other things. I have other weird hobbies. I'm pretty well known among my friends for having a bunch of crazy hobbies and most of my hobbies are outdoors. Yeah. And, um, so they, Pretty much like this was one of those things that really struck a, a chord in me. And when I'm passionate about something, I am incredibly motivated to research and read about it. And I can spend literal hours at a time just reading. Yeah. So for sure. that's pretty much what I did the first couple of months. And, uh, you know, that, that was a big beginning for me there. <clears throat> so you had between reading and then you had kind of a collective of people helping you in forums online. Exactly. So and, and, you decide at that point, you know, I think that maybe I would want to start keeping some bees. Are you able to do that at your house or do you have to do that off site so there won't be like an explosion of bees one day that, that sting your whole family? Right. So I was super worried about that. And so I lived with my two brothers and they were worried about a tune. They said, I don't want bees. And that's scary. And so uh, I had a beekeeper friend that was like, look, here's what you can do. If you want to see some cool bee stuff, but not be tied to bees. Don't spend money and buy a hive. Instead, I'm going to hand you these boxes, these used boxes with used frames. Just stick them in your yard somewhere elevated and just wait a while. And if bees decide they want to move in there or swarm, then you can call me and I'll come by within a few days and pick them up. And you can check them out real quick and then we'll take them off your property and no one will be bothered. And otherwise, you can decide you want to keep them. And th so this was a friend of yours that was already beekeeping. Correct. He's pretty experienced and he's a fellow, yeah, fellow forum guy. So he lived like an hour and a half away or so. So he, you know, I made the drive down there, grab the boxes. He actually, you know, gave me, let me borrow a suit and check out all the bees that he had. And I took back the boxes and, uh, yeah. And that's, how, is that how it went down? Some, just some foreign bees just moved into this box? 
Yeah, exactly. It was nuts. Okay, so like with swarm baiting, it's like hit or miss. You don't know. Like nobody truly knows the best way to get the swarm or whatever. There are like little tips and tricks or whatever that people might try. But in the end, you can't ask the bees like, hey, why did you move here? So nobody truly knows. So, yeah, and Jeremy, that's so fun. Like, talk about a, a true life calling, like something that you should be, like, people always look for a sign, you know, like, give me a sign. What should I be doing? You just put an empty box outside and a whole bunch of bees just swarm to it. Twice. <laughs> that's incredible. I had, I had two boxes set up in the yard, and within one week of those boxes being there, two swarms moved in. That is incredible. Yeah. Incredible luck. Yeah. Um, and it was awesome. And, of course, I had to keep them instantly i already knew it i sweet talked my brothers into accepting it and, uh, <laughs> there was a big learning process with those <laughs> yeah yeah i i have you been stung many times how does that work yeah um here's the thing you can beekeep and never really get stung if you're really careful like if you're if you have a good full suit and wear the gloves and this and that are a lot of things that you can undertake not to get stung, but as you, as I got more comfortable with it, I became more and more careless. Oh, I forgot to zip this up. I decided not to wear gloves. I decided not to wear a suit. Whatever. I walked up to the hive and wanted to switch something out real quick. You know, I didn't use the smoker. So yeah, I've gotten, I've been stung probably at least a hundred or two hundred times. Whoa, in the last years. that's quite a few. Uh, what but, are those? What are those suits made out of that you're supposed to wear? cotton i think typically some of them are like weird blends like i have like suits that i swear i've been stung through before so you need to do your research if you're going to get a suit and make sure it's a good thick nice one don't stamp on the scoot suit if you're afraid to get stung yeah and how much uh would somebody be looking at for a suit like that uh i mean i wouldn't pay any less than 60 for a suit if i wanted to know it was quality but you know if you want one of those like vented suits with a really nice you know like kind of connections and joints and stuff like then yeah you're gonna like you could anywhere from 100 to 200 you know man that's still not that bad at all that's i mean that's like a great uh, halloween costume right there that's not a lot yeah, of money exactly it could double the halloween costume they do get dirty <laughs> really quick though they get what really quickly they get dirty really fast oh yeah yeah i bet so, i bet there's a lot of laundry involved so what does the day-to-day look like for just a small beekeeping hobbyist enthusiast? How often do you, like, you have to go and manually let the bees out, or are the bees able to get out of these boxes themselves? Yeah, so most people use, uh, there's a lot of different, like, like, boxes and equipment you can use, like, there are top bar hives and Langstroth hives and wear hives. There are different kinds of hive bodies made out, almost always made out of wood that you can use. The, generally, the, the law in the United States is they have to have removable frames of some kind or bars. So um, there's also going to be an entrance slash exit that the bees can get in and out of. It's usually adjustable in size. There are ways to reduce and open it. But yeah, for the most part, bees can take care of themselves. They've proven it by moving into people's homes, into people's structures, and just being totally fine. So basically, as a beekeeper, it's up to you to just monitor them, do your best to assist them in their process of living. And uh, so they come that. and go as they please. From yeah, exactly oh, okay, and, and they might swarm. They might. There are a lot of different like natural processes that like they're not fully domesticated. You're you're handling still pretty much wild animals. Yeah. So they're not like cattle or whatever. Like you don't have to build a fence and you don't have to feed them necessarily. I mean, and as long as their queen is there, they are going to come back. 
Right, exactly. And they might, I mean, it's a lot of people actually as a beekeeper end up, you know, if you screw up or something and you make cause a, an adverse condition for them, they will leave. And so it's almost like uh, they're better off without human intervention. <laughs> but if you know, if you do your reading and you do your learning and you learn from your mistakes, yeah, I mean, they can pretty much take care of themselves. So give us a couple of your top mistakes and uh, your like your top big things that you learned in your first year. Uh, yeah. So like one year I just didn't, uh, the first year I lost a hive. I don't know how I lost the queen and I didn't recognize it soon enough. And so I couldn't help them in time. And so I had to end up combining them with another hive. And the way you're supposed to do that is like put like a newspaper or something barrier in between the two boxes so that the bees don't initially like when they smell each other's unique scents, they don't start attacking each other, like the two sides. Mm -hmm. So you put that newspaper so that they eventually just, I guess, over time learn to love each other while they're chewing through the newspaper, both sides will chew through it. And then you're assuming by then that casualties will be reduced. Well, the way I set it up is because I didn't have enough money to buy the equipment I needed. I had these like inconsistent equipment that I had to combine with. One was a 10 frame box and one was an eight frame box. So it, it was just, I had to put like the stronger hive in a weird situation and basically I put my bees in a situation where they fought a lot and a lot of bees died. Wow. So it was just straight up like Roman Coliseum. Welcome to the Thunderdome. Yeah, exactly. There were so many bodies outside of the... (laughs) That's crazy, man. It was nuts. I can't imagine how, just what a bummer all the things that don't work out like that, especially at the expense of lives of the bees when... It's like, if only someone had told me not to do that ahead of time, you know, but I mean, that's the way life works. You never know until, you know, exactly. And, and, you know, you try to learn from your mistakes, but the thing is you need to be serious about it. Like you have the the, the important thing to remember is that they're animals. You know what I mean? Like they're not insignificant. And, and you, as long as you take that seriously, like what you're doing seriously and you'll be fine. Yeah. What, uh, what is the overall startup cost? If someone just wanted to get like one hive in their backyard, how much does that box cost? You obviously said that the, that the suit is about a hundred to $200. How much, how much is the box? Right. So, um, you, it depends on how you do it. Some people do like, they just buy the empty equipment and buy a package of bees and install it. Some people buy nukes, which are like a small amount of bees on frames with drawn out wax and stuff. And it already has an established queen and everything. What do you, I'm sorry. What do you mean drawn out wax? What is that? Um, like they built wax and they built like with the packaged bees, they don't have any wax. It's just a bunch of bees. And then you introduce a queen. Okay. And that's, and then you give them the box and you're like, here you go. Build wax with the other, with the nukes, you actually have like four or five frames of already built out bee, you know, wax bees that already know who their queen is and babies and a whole process. It's like a miniature hive. So when you say no wax, I, so just so people get a little bit of an understanding of, I guess what is supposed to be there and what the dynamic of a hive is, is it like there is what, just a cardboard shape of a honeycomb or something, but there's no substance to it until the bees start making wax on that. Well, generally when people are purchasing bees that have already been established, it's in Langstroth equipment, which uses wooden frames, typically wooden or plastic frames that are like rectangular in shape. And typically you can put a foundation in between that open space. It's like an an open rectangle, if you will, like a thin border. And then inside of it is the the honeycomb is framed, so to speak. The bees build the comb within the frame, the confines in the frame, if you 
do it right. I mean, sometimes building mishaps occur, but generally that's how it's supposed to work. So when they ship these nukes or you pick up these nukes or whatever, they've already built in these frames and they have their honeycomb and, and brood comb already, you know, there and built out. I imagine that the beekeeping community thinks that like one particular thing is the best. Oh, of course. Of course not. It's like politics, right? I mean, <laughs> everybody has an opinion. Like I, I was just on the forum today, like talking to this guy, like he's like, I'm going all foundationless. And I'm like, really? Why? And he typed me out a whole book telling me why. And I'm like, wow. I have a lot of reasons not to do it. And he has a lot of reasons to do it. I yeah. mean, this is, there's so much, I mean, man, if we could talk to the bees, it'd be so much easier. <laughs> yeah. Just ask him, Hey, do you, uh, you want to make your own place or you want me to make one for you? Yeah. What, what are you girls up for? I mean, I, I could give it to you or you could start from scratch or whatever. Yeah. They, so, they give us feedback. <laughs> uh, that's interesting. You just said, what are you girls up for? Are, are bees all female or what's the deal? All the important Predominantly, yes. Uh, during There are drones, which are male bees. They're stingerless. They don't work. Their sole purpose is to fly off and reproduce with other virgin queens from other hives. Whoa. Their sole purpose is to spread the genetics of that hive so that that hive's genetics can live on. And typically in the winter, when it starts getting cold, they are kicked out or start dying out by the female workers because they are a liability at that point, and there's not going to be any mating during the freeze. So they'll just kick all those bees out to die. They're cyclical, you know, they, and they just kind of basically take up space and resources solely for genetic spreading. The rest of the population, like generally like 90 to 100% of the population, are female bees. Does that, and, um, do, when new bees are born, are they born as such? So like 90% of the new bees being born are female? Yeah, it just depends. The queen makes that call. Uh, drones are larger in size, so the bees will. Sp- this bees somehow collectively know how much drone comb they need to build with larger cells. So they will place that somewhere, and then the queen knows to put. Um, uh, I think it's unfertilized eggs into the cell. Basically, like any bee, any female bee could lay a drone. Um, but the worker bees that are female are the actual fertilized eggs and those go in the smaller normal size cells. So it's like, they just kind of figure it out and they know how many need to be made. It's That's kind of- nuts. So the, so the female gets to choose if she's having a male or female. I, I yeah, exactly. That and, is the weirdest thing I've ever heard. Sources from multiple, I mean, she can make, she will have mated with several drones and have the that sperm stored up inside her for the entirety of her lifespan typically and she can selectively you know pull from that it's incredible that is absolutely what what are some of the other more incredible things that you've learned about bees since doing this um that they're surprisingly not as dangerous as people like to think they are um you know, you learn how to work with them, and it is incredible how gentle they can be. And, you know, earlier I was complaining that they can't talk, but really, like, the more you work with them and the more you learn, like, the more they, you realize that they do give you feedback. They do respond. And there are ways to read them, so to say. It's limited, but um, it's incredible how collectively intelligent they are. Yeah, I'm, yeah, no kidding, definitely. So I'm sorry, I think I cut you off and we never got to what the cost of, of one of these nukes or of a different right. you know type of box. Um, what, what are we looking at? So yeah, like you buy a package of bees, I think you're anywhere from 70 to to $100. And then you got to buy the boxes. Uh, you just got to start out with one box. You can kind of get away with a box and frames for anywhere between 40 and 60 bucks. 
depending on the size, equipment. Wow. So this would be such a low startup cost hobby for somebody to check out and see if they liked. Ideally, though, you'll just, as a new newbie, you will just buy an established hype, which can usually go between like 300 and 350. Like oh, it's yeah. already built out, established fees. They're going, they're ready. You can do splits. You can do whatever. They've got all their resources. They know what they're doing. Um, you can, but yeah, like I started out with swarms and I didn't even pay for those boxes. I paid that guy some money later down the road because I was not happy and grateful, but he didn't even ask me for money for those boxes. Yeah. So, you know, I, I could have, if he would have sold me those boxes, he would have, because they were old and used, he would have sold them for 20 a piece, probably or 30. So I pretty much could have gotten started with two highs for 60 bucks. And then the cost of the suit, I paid around 70. I mean, 130 bucks to get started. I mean, oh, less than 200 bucks yeah. because it's a few other things like smoker and a hive tool and some fuel for the smoker. But other than that, like you can do it pretty minimally. Like once you start getting into honey extraction and stuff, then we're talking like more or less. It could be expensive or not expensive, but I mean, it just all depends on how you do it. It's extremely wide deep field so how do you extract so let's say let's say that is what somebody is looking to do uh, first of all is that even feasible or is that not really worth it to just let's say have one hive and just extract honey from the one hive for just your family yeah no it's extremely feasible you could have more than enough i mean Depending on how large your hive is, you could get more honey than you can ever do within a year from even one hive. So do you take the entire honeycomb and then place it into something and, and separate out the parts? Right. So like there are several different methods, but most people that use Langstroth hives do uh, extraction radially. They put it in a they cut off the wax cappings that the bees have done to seal in the honey. And then with the exposed cells open, they'll put it in a centrifugal device. That'll kind of spin it out, okay. and then they give that wax back to the bees because wax is is difficult to, for them to make. Or you've got the other side where you have another kind of hive that doesn't have removable frames or isn't able to be used in an extractor. In which case, you have to manually cut out the honeycomb, separate it from the brood comb or whatever, and and then you can crush and strain. Uh, some people eat comb raw just as it is in the wax. They'll chew the wax. Some people even eat the wax. I think that's really gross because it's, it's just wax. <laughs> uh, people just chewing on it, but whatever. Um, so there are a wide variety of things you can do to extract honey. So um, you say the brood comb and, and the honeycomb. Is it, the brood comb, I imagine, is where all the bees live. The honeycomb is where they produce the honey. Right. The brood comb is where they, she's lay, the queen bee is laying eggs and where they are raising their young. Okay. And and so are they, why do bees make, are they making honey for themselves to eat? Exactly. They're compulsive hoarders. Like they're, see, bees aren't even from North America originally. Like they come from colder regions. Like they're not from Texas originally. So it's like, they will, they're just bred to like, like gather as much honey as possible so that they have enough to eat over the winter. Because unlike a lot of insects, they actually overwinter as a social unit. And uh, a lot, it's not a many, many, many insects. Uh, they overwinter where just the queen survives or just an egg survives. So it's like, it's a totally different aspect. And to do that, they have to collect a lot of nectar. And that's kind of, as a beekeeper, you're manipulating that process and you're taking what you know they don't need 
for the winter because they are hoarders. They will take as much as they can. Yeah. So what do they consider a winter? I mean, if you had bees and you were in Arizona or you were in Southern California, will your bees just be making honey all year long? Pretty much. I mean, there are still like wet and dry seasons and nectar dirts and stuff. Like right now in Texas, we're in the middle of summer and it's a hundred degrees and nothing will flower or grow right now. Mm-hmm. So it's like there's going to be a lot less nectar very soon as flowers start to die and sources start to die. And which at that point, I'm going to start feeding my weak hive sugar water and such and making sure that they have all their stores and, and whatever. And they can get through the dearth, the, next, the nectar dearth is mm-hmm. what it's So, I mean, it depends. Like in Southern California, like they have periods, they have wet seasons and dry seasons. So it's cyclical, you know, and, and it, it just depends on what part of the country. And, you know, there's beekeeping from Canada and all the way down to, you know, here in the tropics, you know, in the tropics. I mean, it's all over the world. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Every continent except for Antarctica. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, who knows? Maybe someone's doing it down there. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> they could have some super, super Arctic bees. Maybe yeah. it is. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. So um, why don't you leave everyone off with on the, I guess, maybe for more the hobby side of beekeeping, um, if somebody wanted to try to make some some honey for their families, get started with bees, what would be like step one or the main piece of advice that you would impart on someone that wanted to get started? You've got to find a, a source of information, multiple sources of information, and you've got to find a friend, a pal, a mentor, someone who already knows the trade and already knows it. And that way you have the most you can have to get the most out of this. Jeremy, where are you at? You can be the famous beekeeping helper guy. Oh, exactly. And there are people that I've already helped out and gotten started and they continue to talk to me and seek me for advice. So where, where would, where would people be able to do that? Uh, if, if they want to seek me specifically for advice. Yeah. Um, well, we have a, a Facebook it's under we beekeeping. We also, uh, you know, I, I offer my phone number on my personal phone number on there. Uh, as well as email. And then also, I mean, on Reddit is where a lot of people post. Uh, that's the main form I frequent. And I, you know, I, uh, I'm there a lot and I'm usually trying to answer questions anytime they're posted. Okay, cool, man. So Facebook, Reddit, you're everywhere. Yeah, pretty much. Awesome. Dude, Jeremy, thanks so much for the info. We all really appreciate it. Definitely. Take care.